Good morning. You all look well rested. Everybody extra hour of sleep? Maybe not. You stayed up late anyway. Hey, uh, um, we're in this series called Holy, Holy, and Holy. And uh, we're going we're gonna to jump into 2 Peter chapter 1 in just a second. But if you want to go ahead and open up the North Point app, if you have that, if you want to take a Bible out of the, the pew in front of you and open it, to find 2 Peter chapter 1 uh, there. And uh, if you've got some other kind of device and want to track it down that way, that would be great. In uh, the second century, there was a Greek writer named Pausinius that described the temple of, uh, temple of Apollo uh, at Delphi, and on the outside of that temple, he said that there were etched the words, know thyself. Know thyself. That's a phrase that we hear sometimes. Um, Shakespeare, William Shakespeare in uh, Hamlet, penned some similar words. Uh, Polonius says in, in, Hamlet, in, in Hamlet in Act 1, this above all, to thine own self be true. To thine own self be be true. The great historian, uh, theologian, Bill Parcells, a retired NFL football coach, said, you are what your record says you are, right? The, all of them say, share this same kind of perspective that says, you know what, you've got to know who you are. You've got to know what's going on inside you in order to be able to look to the future and to be able to understand how you act, why you act, and, and the way that you'll act in the, in, uh, in the future as well. Um, today's message is entitled, Know Who You Are. Know Who You Are. And uh, in Second Peter chapter 1, I think what you're going to find is that there's this series of character qualities that you can take and that you can use as a mirror for yourself to, to just kind of take inventory, to help you know who you are and, and know where you're going. Um, we're, we're in this series called Holy, Holy, like entirely holy. Peter calls us to be holy, holy, and yet we're holy. And, and yet the world seeps into us, it leaks into us, and it, and it messes up that holiness sometimes in, in, in terms of the way that we act. Um, let me do just a little bit of background. Since we finished with First Peter, with the first letter that Peter wrote, um, today we start the second letter. And let me just remind you who wrote this. This, uh, this was written by Peter, one of Jesus' closest friends. Peter was this businessman who was out fishing, and Jesus said, come follow me. And he, he left his business. He gave it all up to follow Jesus. Um, Peter was, was this incredible leader. He actually was, was probably a very good businessman, a leader in his community. Um, and when Peter was out with the, with the other disciples out on the Sea of Galilee at one point in time, uh, Jesus comes walking to him in the middle of the night. Jesus is, is miraculously walking on the water to get to them, and they're scared to death. And Peter said, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come out on the water with you. And Jesus said, come. And Peter was the guy that stepped out of the boat and took steps on the water towards Jesus until he got distracted and saw the storm and all the stuff that was going on, and then he began to sink. Peter, Peter was this incredible leader. Peter, Peter was the guy who, uh, at the Last Supper, when Jesus is washing the disciples' feet as they come in to celebrate the Passover together, um, Peter's the guy who said, Jesus, no, 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 no. You're the, you're the master. I'm, I'm one of your servants. You're not washing my feet. And Jesus said, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, uh, you don't have any part in me. And Peter said, if that's the case, don't just wash my feet. Wash all my body. Um, and 
And just probably less than two hours later, as Jesus is talking to the disciples, as they're sharing the Passover, um, Jesus says, look, tonight's the night. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die tonight. And Peter says, Lord, no way. No way are we going to let that happen. I'm not going to let that happen. And Jesus said, you know what? Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning three times, you're going to, you're going to deny me three times. And uh, Peter did uh, that day. Peter was the guy who saw Jesus' crucifixion, who saw Jesus, who raced into the tomb after Jesus was dead, uh, when, when he was resurrected. And Peter was the guy who, who talked and, and, um, and interacted with Jesus, with the resurrected Jesus after his death, burial, and resurrection. Um, Peter was the guy that God chose to communicate the message to the Jewish people um, less than seven weeks later, the message of the gospel, that, that everything had changed because of, of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Peter was the guy who got up and preached that day. We can read his sermon on, in Acts 2. And, and Peter was the guy that God chose to bring the gospel, the good news of Jesus' death, uh, to, to non-Jews. From our seat, that's a weird thing. We don't think that much about it. We think, oh, goodness, you know, Christianity's been around for 2,000 years. That's not that big a deal. It was, a, it was an incredibly big deal because God had had this, this covenant relationship, this promised relationship with the Jewish people. They were his people. He was their God. Everybody else was out on the fringes and didn't really matter. And Peter was the guy that God chose to say, hey, look, here's the deal. All, everything's changed. Peter has a vision. He goes ultimately and preaches and, and talks to Cornelius, baptizes him, and, and um, the gospel is available to us because God used Peter to help bring that good news. That's the guy that's, that's, preaching the, uh, that's teaching this message for us today that's coming from his first two letters, or the, the second letter is what we're looking at. I talked in the last several weeks about um, the, particularly the, the themes that are there the, the, um, in the first letter. There's this theme of holiness, that we're called to be holy, holy. Peter says, you, you are a chosen people, a royal nation, a people belonging to God, a holy nation. That as followers of Jesus, we're called to be holy, to be completely different than the world, markedly different than the rest of the world. Um, that, that, that in that first letter to Peter, there's this theme of not just holiness, but of suffering. That you know what, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to suffer. There's going to be stuff that happens that will, that will jeopardize your, your safety, your physical health. You're going to suffer if you follow Jesus. You need to know that. And there's a third theme that, that really has kind of come through uh, as we studied through 1 Peter, and, and that's this theme of submission, that, that as followers of Jesus, we need to submit to governmental authorities, we need to submit in our, in our work world, in our work environment, we need to submit in our homes, we need to submit in the church, that, that God has said, you know what, you can trust me, and I'm going to work through the authorities that you, that you have that are in your life, you need to submit. Um, Peter kind of turns, uh, well, I, I mentioned a few weeks ago that, that, um, that Rome burnt in 64 AD, and that's when the persecution of the Christians really started like crazy at that point in time uh, when, when the fire was set in Rome. Um, 
Second uh, Peter, or well, P- Peter's death, uh, historians tell us, occurred in 68 A.D. So 64 is when the fire is in Rome. 68 is when Peter dies. So both letters were written somewhere in that four-year period, probably within a couple, maybe three years of each other. And Peter's letters are different than some of the other uh, books in the New Testament in that when Paul wrote letters, Paul tended to write letters to individuals. So Paul wrote a letter to Timothy. He wrote, uh, he, or he wrote to Titus. He wrote to Philemon. And he wrote to specific churches. He wrote to the church in Rome, the church in Philippi, the, the church in, in Colossae, the, the book of Colossians. Peter instead wrote letters that were designed to be circulated to all the churches all the churches that existed at that point in time. So Peter's writing this message, recognizing that it's, being, it's going to be disseminated to everybody who's a follower of Jesus, that his audience was not just one place, but it was to everybody who was a follower of Jesus. Um, Peter says, following Jesus means that you're going to live markedly different from the world. You're not going to think like the world. You're not going to act like the world. You're not going to react like the world. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Um, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to jump in and, and just kind of work through the first 11 verses today in this concept of know yourself, uh, know who you are. Second uh, Peter, beginning in chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter a servant uh, and apostle of Jesus Christ to, is who's writing to those who, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of, our, and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Let me, let me just stop right there for a second and say, there's a four-part sermon in, uh, in uh, verse 3 that I'm not going to preach today, but let me just give you the outline so you can take it home and study it, okay? Um, Peter says, everything that we need to live a godly life, we already have through Jesus. Everything that you need to live a godly life, we have through Jesus. So, you, so we don't have the ability to say, oh, I can't do that. I can't, I can't live the way that God calls me to live. I can't live the way Jesus. Everything that we need, we have through Jesus. Our godliness comes from knowing him. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life um, through our knowledge of him. As we know Jesus, we can live that life. Jesus has called us. Jesus is the one who has chosen us, who called us by his own glory and goodness. Jesus has called us because he's good, because he loves us. Don't miss that. Great stuff there in verse 3, but that's not where I'm going today, okay? Verse 4, through these he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Peter says, understand, we can live like Jesus did. We cannot be impacted by the world. We have the ability to live holy, holy lives. How do we do that? I think it comes in verse 5, 6, and 7 of of chapter 1. 
Peter says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. And to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, mutual affection. And to mutual affection, love. This series that's there in, that, that's there in verses 5, 6, and 7 is like a chain. Uh, add to your faith goodness. Add to your goodness knowledge. Add to your knowledge self-control. That one links to another. That they're pieces that, that all hook together, but that it all starts with one quality, with faith. When we were kids... Um, I, I can remember decorating the, the tree for Christmas at our house. And if you're a certain age, you remember growing up with parents who had grown up kind of in the Depression where you never threw anything away, right? Um, and, and kids, if you can imagine this, Christmas trees were covered with things that uh, were not store-bought ornaments. Um, when I was a kid, every ornament on our tree was a craft project that had come from Sunday school or from school. Anybody remember those days? Yeah, that's, that's what it was like. Um, I, I remember as a kid, w- when we got the Christmas tree and brought it home, and began to, mom began to pull out those, you know, that paper angel that we put on the top of the tree. It was, it was a really cool thing. We'd bake popcorn and would take a needle and thread and string together the popcorn and make these rings that went around the tree so that when the tree was taken down at the end of the year, you'd put it outside and the birds would come and eat the popcorn corn, do their stuff. One of the things I remember as a kid that I thought was really, really cool was that um, this happened a couple of years. Mom bought boxes of foil that would, the pieces of foil were about this big and the, and the foil was colored. And what we would do is take out one of those sheets of foil and crinkle it up and make it into kind of a, a, a piece of rope and then bring it together and make it into a chain link. Right, and and then we would take another piece, different color, and put it there in together, connect it together, and we would make this chain of tin foil that uh, that would go onto the tree. I remember thinking, this, this is the coolest thing ever. I can make my own chain. Now uh, I talked to somebody after first service, and they said, "Oh yeah, I remember doing that. Except we didn't have foil; we had construction paper. Right? And you made the construction paper chains that went around the tree." Um, Peter says. Look, God has given you everything that you need for a godly life. He has called you. He's given you incredible promises so that you can live holy, holy lives. Because of this, add to your faith, and then it starts this process of this chain. It all starts with one link, one chain link. That's where it starts. Faith, faith is where it all begins. Um, The writer of Hebrews said, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Understand your relationship with Jesus. It all starts with faith. Faith that Jesus is who he said he is. Faith that what the Bible records about Jesus' life is true. That Jesus really did go to the cross and die And that his death on the cross was personal. It was for me. It can make a difference in my life. That Jesus was indeed resurrected. That supernaturally he came back from the dead. That heaven and hell are real. They're real eternal destinies. It all starts with faith. It makes sense that when we place our faith in Jesus, when we say, oh, that's true, I believe that, 
I put my faith in Jesus that our lives will begin to change. Real faith means change in your life. Uh, For the last several years, we've described what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, to be a disciple of Jesus. We've said a disciple of Jesus follows Jesus, is being changed by Jesus, and is committed to the mission of Jesus. Man, that second part is being changed by Jesus. That's what it's all about. It's not just that we're following Jesus. It's that he is doing this work in us to to make us more like him. Um, Peter says, it all starts with faith, but add to your faith goodness. Uh, in, in the New International, the, the word there is, is translated goodness. That's not really a great translation of that word. The, the, what the Greek word actually means there is moral excellence. Peter says, add to your faith moral excellence. We're going to live differently than the rest of the world. We're going to have a different value system. Um, for most of us, we, we live in a place that we try and walk as close to the line as we can rather than as close to Jesus as we can, right? We say, oh, if I'm a Christian, can I go this far? You know, we, here's the line between following Jesus or not following Jesus. And we say, can I still, can I still be on stage even with most of my body off? right? How close can I go to the line? Peter says, add to your faith moral excellence. Not just being a good moral person, moral excellence, this standard that makes us radically different from the rest of the world. Not a morality that's better than 50% of the population. How do do you define that? What does moral excellence look like? Let, Let me just encourage you, I, as I was working on the message, I thought, what's, where do you go for that? I, I, think, I think a great place to start is the Ten Commandments. Because the Ten Commandments that God gave the nation of Israel articulated what it looked like to deal with other people. What's moral excellence look like? Not cheating, not lying, not stealing, not being involved in sexual relationships outside marriage. Um, not coveting. That's what moral excellence looks like. And we can do that through the power of Jesus. Faith and goodness, faith and moral excellence aren't enough. Peter says, add, add to your moral excellence knowledge. Understand this, we need to know Christ more to have him change us. Um, there's a song that was released in 1996 that had a profound effect on me. I, I mean, I, I can remember the artist. I can remember Steve Green. I can hear his voice in my head singing these words. Oh, I want to know you more. Deep within my soul, I want to know you. Oh, I want to know you. To feel your heart and know your mind. Looking in your eyes stirs up within me cries that say, I want to know you. Oh, I want to know you more. Add your goodness knowledge. Paul wrote to the church in Philippi and said, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. 
Gaining knowledge of Jesus and gaining knowledge of the world, it's a natural result of being in relationship with Jesus and God. God is the one who created all individuals. He made each of us. And God is the one who created the world. It makes perfect sense if we have the right kind of relationship with God that we're going to um, try and gather more knowledge, that we're going to study more. We're going to look at the world around us because it's a reflection of who God is in his nature. Um, I don't know if you knew this or not, but Harvard, Yale, and Princeton... They were each founded to train men for ministry. They were created so that as universities, people who, who knew Jesus would be able to assimilate knowledge in the context of a Christian worldview, that they'd be able to study and make sense of the world around them. Christ, science for Christians has always been a big deal. They've not been in opposition to each other. It's been a natural response. You can't have science, you can't have science um, make sense except in a closed universe, a universe that stays the same. Because otherwise you couldn't do um, experiments and have them, um, have them be replicated. There has to be a system where, where science can take place. And that comes from a God who made us. How do you grow in knowledge? I think the easiest thing to do is to start by reading Scripture. How, how are you doing on that? Man, we started this year with a 90-day challenge to read all the way through the Bible. That finished in, in, uh, at the very end of April. How are, how are you doing? How do you get knowledge? Read Scripture. Um, understand that honest study of the world around us, honest study of people will never turn people away from God. It will turn them towards God. Because God is the one who created us. Peter says, add to your faith, goodness. Add to your goodness, knowledge. Add to your knowledge, self-control. You know, the more you know, the easier it is to get kind of full of yourself, right? It's fun to me to watch kids after they graduate from high school, right? I'm a high school graduate, you know, yeah, you got to strut on doing the stuff. You go to college, you finish college. I have a bachelor's degree. You know, I'm all that in a bag of chips, right? Uh, you get beyond that, you get a master's, you know, you get a PhD, and you know all this stuff about the small amount of the world, but you know a lot about that. It's easy to get full of yourself the more knowledge that you have. And Peter says, add to your knowledge self control, self control in your thoughts. Self-control in your speech, self-control in your emotions, self-control in your actions. Um, you know, self-control is such an interesting thing. We say, oh, it's good to have self-control. But I think for many people, deep in their heart, they think self-control is boring or dull, right? Self-control is not boring or dull. Don't miss that. It's not. Um, but let me say this with clarity. When you lack self-control, your life is exciting, right? When you lack self-control, uh, there's like stuff happening all over the place. But it's this kind of excitement that happens when a building blows up and there's carnage around, right? Self-control. Self-control brings order to your life. Self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Gentleness, self-control. 
Peter says, add your faith goodness to your goodness knowledge, to your knowledge self-control, and to your self-control perseverance. The Greek word there for perseverance uh, can also be translated steadfastness or endurance. Self-control comes when you know what the end is. It allows you to endure through the process to get to that end. Self-control is the ability to stay rock solid in spite of whatever your circumstances are. Don't miss that. Perseverance is the ability to stay rock solid in spite of whatever our circumstances are. Suffering in the church, persecution in the church for the Christians was a reality in the first century. Christians needed to persevere and to be steadfast in the midst of that persecution. We need to persevere. We need to be steadfast in our holiness. We need to persevere. We need to be steadfast in our prayers. We need to persevere. We need to be steadfast in our faith. We need to persevere and be steadfast in our good works, in the way that we interact with other people. Peter says, add your faith, goodness, to your goodness, knowledge, to your knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance. Add to your perseverance, godliness. Here's a, here's a profound piece for you. Godliness is being, by definition, godliness is being like God. All right? Uh, you can use that for the fill in the blank. Um, this, this particular thing, I, I thought this is really interesting that Peter says, um, add, add to your perseverance godliness, being like God. Let me ask you a question. Um, oh, let, me, let me just say this. Um, in the app... Uh, every week, there's, there are sermon-based questions that are there. If you're involved in a life group, there are questions that you can use as a life group to kind of work through the message and, and study through it together. And I would encourage you, if you're not in a life group today, that you take a look at the app and the, and the sermon-based questions that are there. Maybe you do those with your family. But there's one question in there that I really would like for you to wrestle with. Um, that, that's, it's at this point in the app notes that are there. Um, what is it that you love most about God? What is, it that, what, what is it about God's nature that you think, oh man, that is just so incredible? I think what Peter says is whatever that is, be like God. Live that out. What is it that you love most about God? Is it that he first loved us before we ever loved him? Is, is it that you love God's patience? or his mercy, or his compassion? Or, or do you love that, that there is no gray with God, that with God there's right and wrong, that it's clear, the world is clear with God? Do you, do you love about God that he chooses right in spite of what response comes? God loves us, even when we reject him. How do, how do we live out that godliness? How, how do we make that a part of our life? I, I, I say, articulate whatever it is that you love about God and then begin to implement that in your world. Begin to respond to other people in the same way. Add to your godliness brotherly affection. 
The word that's there in the Greek is the word Philadelphia, which is kind of fun. We know Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love, right? It, uh, it comes from two Greek words, philos and uh, uh, adelphos, love of man, love of brother kind of deal. Um, brotherly love. Uh, basically, what Peter was saying in the, in the Greek was, hey, there's, uh, you know what, if, in this chain of character qualities that helps you know yourself, that helps you live in relationship with Jesus, there's this important part that's brotherly love. And, and what he was talking about was love for the brothers and sisters in Christ, love for the people in the church. I know lots of you have lots of relationships with other followers of Jesus that are outside North Point, but don't miss this. There's a real clear challenge from this scripture to say, love and invest in the people who are here, who are part of the body of Christ here at North Point. Add, add a mutual affection, add brotherly love. Uh, I know lots of people that say, um, you know, I I love the people at church. I I love all the people at church. It's just the individuals. There there are some individuals I can't stand, right? There are some individual people that I don't want anything to do with them. Anybody there? How how do you begin to do that? How do you begin to invest in the lives of other people? How do you... Live out that brotherly affection. Let me just encourage you to talk to people and hear their story. To listen to them talk about. Oftentimes, people that we clash with, that, that we don't get along well, very well with at all, it's because we don't know their story. We don't know what has brought them to this place in their life. And when we know their story, all of a sudden, we've got a lot of compassion, a lot of concern for them. What makes you fall in love with someone it's not just the way they act in the moment. It's who they are as a person. We've got to find, we've, we've got to begin to hear their stories. When we were in Virginia, when Deb and I were in Virginia, we had a life group that met in our home that was great. One of the, one of the guys in the life group was this guy who was a former Division I football player for St. John's who had become a cop and then became a lawyer. Uh, he was from uh, New York, from Long Island, so he had the whole accent thing going. Uh, he, you know, told you the way life was all the time, which is really cool. Um, both he and his wife were lawyers, and they were good friends of ours. Um, in our life group, uh, a new couple came, and, and this new guy was a plumber. Not much education, and, and he told it like it was too, but in a completely different kind of way than, than, than the other guy did. Um, and I remember after they had come one or two weeks, the guy who was the former football player uh, came to me and, and said, can't, can't you just kick them out of our group? He said, I don't like what they're doing to our group. I, I, don't, I don't like him. Can't you just tell them to stop coming? Um, and I said, uh, you know what? Let's just, no, we're not going to do that. And I, re, I remember so clearly a conversation that happened probably uh, six months later where the former football player said, man, I am so glad. I am so glad that they're a part of our group because he had come to love him as he got to know his story, as he knew what God was doing in his life. Add, add brotherly affection this concern for the church, this investment in the people that you worship with, the body of Christ that's here at North Point. You know, it, if you find yourself today saying, man, are there are people I just genuinely don't like, recognize that that's a sign something's, something's wrong. Uh, the Apostle John said, whoever claims to love God and yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. Whoever doesn't love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they've not seen. 
Jesus said, by this everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Peter says, add to that brotherly love, that mutual affection. Add to that love, and there's the Greek word agape. Um, in, In the Greek, there were different words for love. In English, we just use the word love, and it covers everything. But agape love is this, it's a picture of love that gives expecting nothing in return. It's the picture of the way that God loves us over and over and over again, despite when we disappoint him. Despite when we turn our backs on him, God just continues to love. And and Peter says, add to that love that you have for the body, agape love, this love that gives no matter what. Verse 8, Peter says, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Peter says it's possible to be ineffective and unproductive and still have knowledge of Jesus. Let me say that again. It's it's possible to have knowledge of Jesus and still be ineffective and unproductive. So here are the questions for you. Are you growing up spiritually or are you just growing old? Your spiritual maturity has nothing to do with your physical age. There are people who have been in church all their lives, people in their 60s, 70s, 80s. There are spiritual babies still. And there are people who are 16, 17, 18 years old that have the faith of giants. Their relationship with Jesus has transformed their lives. Understand that you can grow as much as you want to grow. How, how, do you, how do you take that chain and how do you have it get stronger in your life? How do you grow in those qualities? Uh, uh, man, I, I, I really have spent a couple of days just wrestling with how, how can I communicate that the best? Is it something that God just does, that he gives us those qualities, perseverance and godliness and mutual and God just does it and we just have to depend on him? Or is it something that I've just got to have all this self-discipline and I've got to buckle down and do it? Here, here's the best illustration I think I can give for you. God gives it to us in the way that he gives us muscles. We have muscles that we can do stuff. But for our muscles to get stronger, we've got to exercise them. We've got to exercise our faith. We've got to exercise our moral excellence, our goodness. We've got to exercise our self-control. And when we do, those muscles just get stronger and stronger. If you go to the gym and you do that every day, you get bigger and bigger and bigger, right? Those muscles grow That's the call that we have. The question is, what kind of life do you want to live? Here's a chain. It's got eight links in it, the eight qualities that we've been talking about this morning. What what do you want your life to look like? Is it that? That That chain will sustain about 150 pounds. This chain will sustain about 350 pounds. What do, you, what do you want your life to look like? Eight links. This chain sustain almost 2,000 pounds. What do you want your life to look like? What do you want your relationship to Jesus to look like? You, you may be able to get by this way, but 
Is that the way that you want to live? Is that the legacy that you want? Is that, is that what you want people to see in you? Is that the relationship that you want to have with Jesus? Verse 10, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. If you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Know yourself. The challenge today is to confirm your calling, to know who you are and to know whose you are. You can't, you can't grow the... You can't develop this chain without recognizing that right now, it's not this, it's this, right? You've got to know yourself and you've got to know Jesus to allow him to do the work that you can begin to exercise to live that out. Verse 5, 6, and 7, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, add to goodness knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. To godliness, mutual affection, brotherly love. And to mutual affection, agape, love. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. For the mirror it is for our souls. For our character for our hearts. God, we come right now um, asking you to free your Holy Spirit to work in us that we might live holy, holy lives. And that as we exercise these qualities, God, that uh, we might not be holy and let the world leak in. Draw us to you, Father God. Help us to depend on you. Help help us to live out that relationship in every part of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand together. Let's sing.